Can I invite you to make your way uh, back to your seats as we prepare to jump into our last installment in the book of James. If you've been joining us, if you've been watching along, we are, we are at the last two verses of James this morning. And in a moment, I want to read the word to you. James is a powerful book. It's a powerful book of application of the Christian life to our faith. Our faith in Jesus Christ will affect the way that we view all of life. I mentioned our wallets and our pocketbooks. It will affect that. Our Christian life will affect the way we speak to one another. That's chapters 1 and 2 and 3. It will affect the way we love one another, especially chapter 3. It will affect the way we speak about one another to one another, chapter 4. Our Christian faith informs everything in our Christian lives. There's nothing that's outside the effect of giving your heart to Christ, of, of being found in Him. And uh, like James does, he's true to his style all the way from first to last. Um, in very abrupt manner, the, uh, the letter of James, it just ends. You know, the Apostle Paul and other New Testament writers, they, they tend to end their books with perhaps a, a really nice uh, benediction, a beautiful benediction. Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. You know, things like that. Um, or there may be summary statements, or there may be, hey, pass on greetings to dear brother or sister, ex or what. Not James. James, in his typical abrupt style, I'd like to meet this man. Um, someday we will. Um, in his typical abrupt style, he just stops the book right after giving this very strong, very strong exhortation. In fact, a bit of a warning. Um, I was struck by how strong this was this week as I continued to labor over this passage. Um, and he just like stops it. He just gives a warning and an exhortation. The, the letter is over. So um, this passage that we're about to read, these two verses, is about how we're to care for one another when someone is wandering away from the truth. So let me read uh, James chapter 5, verses, just two verses, 19 and 20. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word this morning and write its eternal truth on our hearts. Kind of a, a bit of a sober warning, exhortation at the end of this, at the end of this letter. See, the church is God's place for redemption, right? The, the church, somebody has said, the church is not a museum of perfected saints where, you know, you, you walk in and see all these, you know, plasticky, perfect saints. No, the church is a place of healing. The church is a place 
for people to come and receive from the Lord what they need. And, and the church is a place of restoration. So let me ask you this question. Have you ever been helped? I mean, really helped by the love and concern of a friend who cared enough to check up on you? Has that made a difference in your life? Has the trajectory of your life been altered in the positive? Has it been positively impacted by someone else's love and care and input? My life definitely has. And I would guess that most of us, that would be true, that 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 someone in our lives has positively impacted the trajectory of our lives. Now, uh, maybe for most of us that's been a mother or a father or both of them. It could be somebody who, who just came alongside of us, a teammate who cared about us, a coworker who was interested in our well-being. Perhaps even it was someone within the church, someone who cared about you enough to say, Hey, are you okay? Hey, is everything all right? Someone who loved you enough to reach toward you, to encourage you, and perhaps even needed to ask you a couple of hard questions, which at first maybe you didn't like. Maybe they were abrupt. Maybe it didn't come across all that well. But in hindsight, you look back and say, that was love. That was care. That was grace. See, God in his manifold wisdom, he did not save individuals and then put them on islands all over, like dotted on the map, like so that, hey, you know, it's me and Jesus. No, what God has done in his wisdom in sending Christ into the world to redeem not just a person for himself, but a people for himself. And so God brings together, he gathers people together in a local body, they, they commit themselves to him and to one another. This is his glorious plan. I mean, I, I guess in the Tritown area we could have a church of 10,000, but I'm not sure how well we'd know each other in a church of 10,000. So God, God gathers people in smaller clusters and commits them to him and to one another to walk together because God intends that we don't walk the Christian life alone, right? Isn't that so good that, that we don't have to face the things of this world alone? We have him, yes, praise the Lord, but we have also one another. Friends, you have helped me in my Christian walk because not every day has been great and easy. And you have sent me notes or words of encouragement. You have spoken things to me that have helped me and spurred me on and and enabled me to walk the walk that the Lord has called me to walk and and we're here to do that for one another this is God's plan that we walk together it's so important honestly my heart grieves for folks who are trying to do this on their own because that's not God's intention for us it's not he never calls us to go alone we are What does the New Testament say? We are the body of Christ. That's the prevailing imagery, the metaphor that is used in the New Testament. We are the body. This morning, when you woke up, all of your body got out of bed with you. And all of your body came to church this morning. It's because we, our bodies sick together. 
Well, sometimes maybe we think we left our minds back at home on occasion, but you know the analogy. It stands like we are interconnected with one another. Now, let's be honest. Sometimes that's challenging, right? Because there are parts of the body that can be challenging. We can, we can fail one another from time to time, right? And so, you know, being a part of the body has its great blessings and, and its challenges from time to time. We have to be honest. But here's the overall point. God has intended that we walk out the Christian life in fellowship, meaningful life together, not just me soldiering on in my own strength. And this passage helps us to see that God's redemptive purposes in our lives are intended to produce fruit in the body. In fact, one of the ways that God keeps us in the faith is by one another. He's the one that saves us, yes, but one of the means whereby he keeps us is through one another. And so I want to lay the claim right at the outset of the message that God intends for you and me to help keep one another in the faith. Do you realize that this morning? God intends that you and I, if we're believers, God intends all believers to help other believers to keep the faith. We don't just come here for ourselves. Like, hey, you know, I'm going to come to church and worship the Lord this morning. Well, that's good. That's good. You should come to church to worship the Lord. But that's not, that's not all that you're here for. You're here to love. You're here to care for your sister. See, when we're adopted into the family, we're adopted into a family. That means we now have brothers and sisters. So let me illustrate from, from my own home. If one of my kids observes one of their siblings is having a hard time. If one of my kids observes that one of their siblings is struggling, what would love do? Would love in that sibling who's observing the other sibling that's struggling, would that love say, well, they'll figure it out? I mean, is that what love does? Does love ignore when a brother or a sister is hurting? Does love walk the other way and simply kind of close their eyes and like, ah, it'll all work out? No, love moves toward people in need. If, if one of my children did not do that, then that would be unloving. We are brothers and sisters in the same family. Therefore, when we are part of the body of Christ, a few weeks ago we had new members join us and say, I'm committed to being a part of the membership of the body of Christ here. Well, what does that mean? It means that we all have a responsibility to care for one another. We're, we're not doing this alone. And that's, that's God's intention. That's God's intention for us that we care for one another, not not in the spirit of being a busybody. We're not getting into each other's business all the time. That's not the heart. The heart is that we, we watch, we love, we care for one another. And there may come a time when you may have to ask a hard question of a brother or a sister or, or just share, share something out of love and care. Hey, I, I just, are you okay? Is, is, is this going all right? How's your heart doing, sister, brother? Um, And that's God's intention. So what we're going to do, I'm I'm just going to go over the text, actually phrase by phrase, 
because this, this is a, they're important details. So we'll, we'll do a review of the text and then um, talk about two implications for our lives as a result of what this text holds out for us this morning. So let me start with what he starts with in verse 19. He starts by saying, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth. Let me stop there. My brothers. Eight times in this letter, James says, my brothers. Now, I remind you that this was a circular letter. In other words, it was a letter that was written not to one specific church, but to, to the diaspora, the, those believers that through persecution and difficulty had been sent out. So they were in different places. This would go to be read in a variety of places. And yet he, he writes, James writes with the, the heart of a pastor. So he's saying, my brothers. In other words, those who are within the household of faith. He addresses them as my brothers. So we can begin with the understanding that this is written to those within the church. That's important because of what he says next. My brothers, if any one of you, who is the any one of you? Again, it's someone within the household of faith. He's not referencing someone way out there. He's referencing if any one of you in the household of faith. If any of one of you wanders from the truth. Now this, this phrase, wanders from the truth, it can be expressed in a, a few ways. One of the ways that we can wander from the truth is in our belief about the Lord, in our doctrine, what we all believe. Uh, a doctrine is simply what we believe about a certain topic. So all of us in this room, regardless of who we are, we're all doctrinal. We have things that we believe about God. But sometimes in our doctrine, we wander away from the truth. Some may simply stop believing. They may wander away from the truth of the gospel. Do you know anyone like that? I have someone in mind, a friend, a friend of mine that, that once believed the gospel, in fact, proclaimed the gospel, but for some reason, through a series of events, has totally turned away from the gospel. And he's not been open to the appeals that have been made to him. He's wandered from the truth, and he says he no longer believes He's wandered from the truth. And I pray he comes back to the truth because if he doesn't come back, his soul is in great danger. It's in great danger if he continues in the way. And I, I'm glad I'm not the judge of this man. I just, I just hear what he says. And he says, I, I no longer believe. Deconstruction is the word that some use these days to talk about how they once believed and now they no longer believe. It's kind of a, or ex-evangelical. Have you heard that phrase? It's kind of a, a popular thing now for some who grew up in the church to say, I'm an ex-evangelical, meaning I grew up there, but I no longer believe. What I am to this man is a friend I'm not his judge, but I'm a friend who can pray. I'm a friend who can reach out. I'm a friend who can move toward him in the love of Christ, 
who can express care. See, some may wander away doctrinally from the truth and say, I no longer believe. Some can wander away, though, not just in doctrine, but also in practice, in behavior. Uh, these two things are often linked together, are they not? When, when someone falls away from the truth of the gospel, often there are practices or behaviors that come along with it. And, and sin can come, can it not? Sin can come and take a deep hold of a heart, moving the heart away from the Lord, entrenching that heart. If that sin goes on in an unconfessed way, it can entrench that heart in and sear it and make it difficult to bring them back to that place of affirming the gospel in their heart. Not impossible because nothing's impossible for God. There's another person that comes to my mind right now where I would say, in my estimation, this is someone that I love, in my estimation, it almost seems impossible that they could come back because of some of the things, some of the choices, some of the... But, but praise the Lord, we can write no one, no one off the list this morning that we pray for, right? Amen? No one is outside of the reach of the glorious grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what they've done. No one is outside of the reach of the gospel. And I'm preaching that to myself because this, this person has, has, in my estimation, destroyed their life. But they're not outside of the reach of the Lord. They're not. And so we keep praying, right? We keep holding on and asking God, Lord, would you change their heart? See, Paul warns young pastor Timothy. I want to read to you what Paul says. He says this, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, there will come days when people who once professed faith will wander from the truth, and in wandering from the truth, their, their consciences will be seared. They'll no longer affirm the things they once affirmed. And again, Perhaps there's someone that comes to your mind. Someone that who on the outward appearance of things appears to be truly lost. Well, God, God would impress upon us this morning the fact that let's continue to pray and ask God to intervene, continue to reach out. But, but should they persist in that unbelief, their soul is in great danger. So... What is the call for someone to bring him back? See, in, in God's masterful plan of redeeming people, God has purposed to use people like you and me to help bring people back to the Lord. He could have, what, what could God have done in saving us? He could have redeemed people like you and me and then, and then caused us to never sin again. He could have done that. In, in his wisdom, he could have done that. He could have said, okay, you are now mine. You will never sin again. We live the rest of our lives without sin. He could have done that. But he's not chosen to do that for his own reasons, for his own glory. He, he does give us a new heart. He, he makes us to be born again by faith. But we can still struggle with sin, right? 
And one of the ways that God has purposed in his church to use people is by helping to go after people who we once walked with. It's by using perhaps you to rescue someone from wandering away from the truth. See, this is why God gives pastors in churches, pastors, and I say it again, I say it often, but I'm sobered with this responsibility. Hebrews 13, 17 says something over my job description and Chris's that, that is that pastors are to keep watch over the souls of the flock. So part of our calling is to keep watch over your soul because we will be held to account to God for that. My goodness, I am so sobered by that again this morning. I'm to keep watch over your soul, and I will give an account to God for how I do that. So I'm sobered by that. So please pray for your pastors, right? Please, please pray that we would do that as unto the Lord. But keeping watch over the souls of the believers is not just the call of the pastors. It is the call of the body. It is the call for what? Brothers who love brothers and sisters who love sisters and we're all part of the family of God. We've been adopted and placed into a family and so we love one another in the family of God. We help to go after someone so as to bring them back. Now look at verse 20. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from His wandering. Let me stop it there. Who is the sinner being referenced here? Who is the sinner? Is it someone that never professed faith? That no, it's not someone who's never professed faith. It's someone who was, verse 19, who was once among you. So he's saying, This isn't somebody out out there. This is someone who was among you, and if someone brings him back from his wandering, that Well, we'll get to that in just a moment. So, ultimately, God is the one whose grace saves everyone, right? We we affirm together as a church that the Scriptures declare to us that we are saved by what? We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So we we are saved not by our works, not by our performance We are saved by the grace of Christ alone. And while that is true, the evidence of our salvation will be revealed as we persevere in our faith. As we press on in our faith of holding to the truth of the gospel. As we don't wander away from the truth. Those who who are able to persevere are the children of God. See, again, the Apostle Paul helps us here because he's writing to the Corinthian church and he says this, Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If, notice that word, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you. So what is Paul saying? Paul is not advocating an easy believism here. He's he's not saying, hey, did at some point 
you believe in Jesus or did you hear about God and you say, yeah, I believe in him and, and you're good to go for the rest of your life? No, he's not saying that. He's saying, brothers, let me remind you of the gospel that I preached to you. And, and you're being saved as you, as you hold fast to that, as you don't wander from the truth of that gospel. It's not a, hey, did you pray a prayer one time somewhere, you know, and hopefully you meant it? No, it's holding fast to the gospel. Those who are Christ will be held fast. See, we don't, I mean, we're called to have some effort in this, but even when our grip fails, church, Christ holds us fast. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. Paul is saying to the church, hold fast to that gospel. Don't wander from the gospel because if you wander from the gospel, your soul is in peril. Because if we wander from the gospel, like that man I was referencing earlier, my friend, who once proclaimed the gospel, but now says, I don't believe it, I'm tempted to wonder if all of that was just a big act. If he didn't actually believe the things that he was saying. Again, I'm not his judge. I don't appeal on that basis. But if he now is saying, I don't believe any of that. Well, what was that back then? What was that? See, we hold fast to the gospel. And every believer, hear this, every believer can have great confidence of faith as we cling to the gospel, right? As we today, today, are you clinging to the gospel? Yes, I'm clinging to the gospel. You can have hope that your sins are completely forgiven and that your future is certain as you cling to the gospel, as we don't wander away from the gospel. That's why this is such an important passage. Because he's saying, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from this truth, they are in peril. They are in danger of wandering away from the very source of the hope of their soul. The, the status of their soul is at stake. He goes on, whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Now, let's let's say first what James is not saying. He's not at the end of the book changing his fundamental fundamental theological underpinnings and suggesting that the rescuing efforts of a friend in the church somehow makes them the atoning sacrifice for their sin. It's not it's not the friend that will cover them. It's the gospel that covers them. When we, by grace, bring a sinner back, a sinner who's running away from the gospel, back to the truth of the gospel, we are bringing them back to the gospel which covers the multitude of their sins. So God has ordained that his children progress in the faith by the help of one another in the faith. This is how God has designed it. So let me, let me now say, okay, that was a, a survey of the text and God's call. Let, let's try to apply this. What does this mean for us? Uh, two implications for us this morning as by way of application. Uh, let me speak to the believer. Believer, God intends 
to use you to keep your brothers and sisters in the faith. I've already said it, but I just want to say it succinctly here. God intends to use you and me to keep one another in the faith. God is the one who is the agent and the beginner and the completer of our salvation. And yet in his wisdom, he's chosen to use you and me to help one another. He intends to use you to help your brothers here and your sisters to persevere in the faith. Now, how does God do that? How does he use people like you and me to help our brothers and sisters to persevere in the faith? Well, he does that by our encouragement, right? That, that we might be people who encourage one another. This is God's intention, that we might come alongside of someone who might be struggling now and say, brother, sister, I see the Lord at work in you. Brother, uh, sister, I see that you may be having challenges now, but do you know what I see in you? I see you trusting the Lord. I see you walking in faith. I see you striving after Christ. I see you treasuring Christ even in the midst of the storm that can bring wave after wave. You're doing it. Keep going. The reward of heaven is worth it. Keep going. Hold the faith. Stay the course. See, we're called to encourage one another. And in the encouragement of walking together, as we, as we encourage one another, God strengthens the faith of his people. See, you don't know, I don't know, how one solitary encouraging word can mean so much to somebody else. At the very moment when they need it, God uses words to encourage and strengthen. For eight years, I was pastor at another church, actually right here in Souderton. I was the youth and young adult pastor back in the mid-90s in this church, and uh, they, they were great Years, eight years of, of wonderful ministry at this church among people that I loved. Um, part of the reason that I left that church was because of theological considerations as I, I saw some things in the denomination. And I'm not trying to denigrate anyone here. I simply said, I'm, I'm not sure, we're, we're not sure we can remain. So we did leave, but we love those folks. And there were many, many great times of ministry, happy ministry. There was one short season, however, of significant difficulty, of, um, of a response that someone had to uh, a gesture, uh, I think loving gesture, that I had made toward a, a member. And it was difficult for a little while. It was, it was difficult. And someone, one night, came alongside of me and strengthened me in a significant way. They didn't say a lot of words. They just encouraged me. They said, brother, I, I see what you're trying to do, and I think the Lord's in it. And they said a little bit more, but that was basically it. And I can't tell you how encouraged I was because my head was down. The encouragement that you and I can be toward one another can rally 
faith, right? I bet we could pass the microphone right now and hear how your faith has been rallied by the words of encouragement from someone else in this room. Dear friends, God intends to use you to help me and help your brothers and sisters here to keep the faith. So let's get about the business in an ongoing way. You already do this well, dear church, beloved. You do it well. Let's press in all the more to encourage one another, to strengthen one another, to use our words to build up and encourage and strengthen. Why? Because there's another reality at work all the time. See, we we want to exhort one another because we still do yield ourselves at times to sin, right? And, And sin can have this hardening effect on our hearts. So we want to build one another up and encourage one another because we still live in a fallen world and we still can yield ourselves to sin. And sin, if if it gets a hold of us in a certain way, boy, it can be tough. It wants to hang on. Listen to what the writer of the Hebrews said. He says this, But exhort one another as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. See, you know, none of us, not me, not you, none of us is above this. We can all be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. How is it that that you hear stories of pastors falling into all kinds of sexual sin? How how does that happen? Well, at some points, a pastor hardens his heart to sin and and yields himself to it. How is it that that people... uh, can do all kinds of things. It's because sin is deceptive and it has a hardening effect on our hearts. And so, believer, again, God intends to use you to help your brothers and sisters and yourself, but help your brothers and sisters keep the faith. That means that it's, at times, it might be a little bit costly. That means that, that love is going to express itself in perhaps some questions of care. You know, we're called to keep watch on one another's souls. Why? Because eternity is at stake. Think about this. If we could watch someone who appears to be wandering from the faith and we say that we love that person but we observe in their life and in their choices, it appears to us like they're wandering from the faith and we don't do anything. We don't say anything. We don't try to throw our bodies in front of them and say, brother, sister, what's going on? How can I help? Is there a way I can pray? Can we talk? If we don't do anything, do we love them? Truly. God intends that we love one another in the church. And that love can mean having some you know, possibly challenging conversations. But that's what love does. Listen to the, the counsel of the Apostle Paul. It's very similar to this passage. Uh, Galatians 6. He says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, that doesn't mean just the pastors, by the way means those who have the Spirit of God in them. You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of 
gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. See, if we love one another, we're going to, we're going to watch and we're going to take notice. And we're, if, if a brother or sister is caught in sin, we're going to go to them in a spirit of gentleness, in a, in a humility, with, with questions, not with accusations, but with questions in a spirit of Gentleness. We're going to watch our own souls in the process too because we can be tempted by the very thing that our brother or sister may be yielding to temptation in. See, if we love the people of God, then that will play itself out in the way that we relate with the people of God. See, when we attend to our own souls, then God is enabling us to attend also to the souls of others. By the way, incidentally, this is the whole intention behind the practice of church discipline in the body of Christ, right? Matthew 18 uh, outlines for us in verses 15 through 18, outlines for us a process of church discipline. If, if there's a brother in sin, you, you go to them and, and appeal to them. This is what it says. You appeal to them. If they listen to you, it says you've won a brother. If, if they don't listen, if they don't repent, then, then you take one or two others um, and go to them. So you broaden the circle a bit out of care, not to, to pound them, out of care uh, for and love for them. You go to them. If, if not to them, then you broaden the circle more and you tell it to the church. What's the point of telling it to the church? It's so that the church can pray and express care. And ultimately, if a person is put out of the church through church discipline, what does the text say? It says to treat him as a tax collector or someone outside of the family of faith. It's so that we can, it's so that we can say, brother, can I appeal to you to come to Christ? Can I appeal to you to the gospel? It's redemptive in purpose. It's not to shun someone. It's to bring them back to the truth. If someone's wandering and the church doesn't really care, Something's wrong. That's the whole purpose of church discipline. Second and final implication for us. Love moves toward those who are wandering from the truth. That's what love does. If one of my kids is struggling and having a really hard time as a father, I'm going to move toward them, right? Imperfectly, but that's what I'm going to want to do anyway. In the family of God, love moves toward one another. We don't have to wait, by the way, um, until there's some huge, you know, sin that's evident or something. Like love, generally, it, it just moves toward other people. If we say that we love God, then we are going to love his people. We're going to love. We're going to move toward them. And especially just to keep it in the context of this verse, love will move toward others in care. Love is going to ask questions. Love is going to entreat. Love is going to say, hey, can we get together for coffee and just chat? I, I just would love to hear an update. Love moves towards others who are wandering from the truth. This is, this is not Jeremy Bell's idea for how to do it. It's, it's here. It's in the text of Scripture. Love makes its way. Because James reminds us at the end of these verses, he says, whoever, listen to this with 
perhaps fresh ears. Whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Let me ask you, is there anything that you can think of right now that is more important than that? That is more important than being used by God to help bring someone back to the truth of the gospel. Is there anything that you can think of that's more important than that? Dear church, as the church family, we love one another. We move toward one another. We care for one another because if the Lord gives us the grace to be helpful to bring back someone who is wandering from the truth, we are bringing them back to the very gospel which covers their sins, which yields grace and hope and peace to that friend once again. So with that, let me, let me wrap up a few thoughts. Let me call the worship team back to the stage. Um, Let me bring us back to where we started. Brothers, sisters, in the Lord. God has placed us in the family of God. He's given us brothers and sisters to keep us walking in the faith. To keep us with encouragement. So again, uh, practical application number one, for sure. Like, let's just be people who are encouraging toward. And when I say encouraging, I don't mean like flattery. Oh, you look nice. I mean, that, that might be an encouragement um, to somebody. But uh, I, I mean like depth, like meaningful things where we say, I, I just see the Lord in you. Do, can I tell you that? How I see God at work in your heart. Let, let's be encouraging as we have received the encouragement from the Lord. Again, you do this. Let's, let's ask God to help us to even be more encouraging. I don't know if this is true of you, but, but it might be helpful if we walk into church each Sunday and say, Lord, I'm, I'm here to worship you this morning. But help me to find three people today to encourage. Not just to check some list. I just, I want my mouth to be an encouragement to somebody. So, Lord, help me to use my mouth today. I think that's a great way for us to walk into church. Say, Lord, help me to be on the lookout for where you're at work so that I can, I can strengthen someone by telling them the way I see God's at work in them. Wouldn't that be great? 150 people walking into church saying, Lord, help me to encourage someone today. We'd all get encouraged regularly. This is God's plan for us. And then if you're aware, perhaps, of someone, maybe who has, because of their life choices or because of how long it's been that they've been walking or wandering from God, maybe perhaps they've fallen off your list of of prayer or your intention to reach out. This word this morning reminds us that there's no greater work, no higher labor, than to share the gospel again with someone who's wandered from the truth. Because in so doing, we may bring their souls back from death. Maybe they never believed in the first place. We don't know. We're not the judge. But the Word of God says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth 
and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Maybe the Lord is laying a person that comes to mind on your heart now. Pray that the Lord would give us all the grace and the courage and the strength to reach toward that person in love. To continue to pray and continue to ask that he would do his work. And now, dear friends, we turn our final attention to the Lord. To the Lord who saves us by his grace, by faith in Christ alone. You may be here this morning saying, boy, my own grip on the gospel seems kind of weak. I'm, I'm, I'm faltering myself. I need this help. Well, dear friend, if you're in Christ, I, I just want to say again this morning, cling to him. And even in clinging to him, that's an act of his grace, right? Because we can't do it on our own. We can't hold fast on our own. We need the Lord. So let us all together now cling to Christ. Hold fast to him. Claim his sacrifice as the payment for our sins that we might stand forgiven and free. Let me end with these words from this popular hymn. When I fear my faith will fail. Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, and we all know what that's like, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path, for my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast, for my Savior loves me so. Right? He loves us this morning. He's holding us fast. He will hold me fast. Would you stand with me and pray as we commit our hearts to the Lord afresh this morning? Lord, the book of James has been such a blessing to our hearts because James speaks just directly to us. He doesn't mince his words. He doesn't beat around the bush. He just says it like it is. And this morning, as he ends this letter of love to these dear people to whom he originally writes, and, and now we receive those words as well, we are reminded that, that you've placed us in a family to love one another. You've placed us here that we might express that love through care and concern, encouragement, exhortation. Lord, and so we pray that you would help us to do as your word instructs our hearts. We want to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. And so for those of us who may have a person that's come to mind that may be in fact wandering from the faith, Lord, help the love that we feel for you motivate us to go to that person again in love, in humility, with gentleness, but go nonetheless and express our care for them. And even as we do that, Lord, in response to you, we ourselves, we cling to Christ. We hold fast to him 
recognizing that even when our grip gets a little tired, when our grip, it feels like it's slipping, Lord, we're not holding on our own accord, but you, in fact, are the one that will keep us and will preserve us and will carry us to that day. So, Lord, thank you for your mercy and thank you for your grace and thank you that you have given us hope because no one is outside of your reach today, Lord. The gospel goes to every corner of the globe and redeems every kind of person regardless of their past. And so, Lord, we look to you this morning. We look to you in hope and in faith and in joy. So, Lord, hold us fast and help us to be faithful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.